Hey everybody, this is Matt Hardman with another episode of the Race Nerd Podcast here on CKCC Radio. Uh, thank you all you fine fans and subscribers uh, for helping us surpass the 10,000 download mark uh, for the network. Uh, we really appreciate it. Every one of us who bring you the plethora of programming um, each and every week, we, we support you. Uh, for supporting us. Uh, so, I, I really wanted to give a tip of the cap to you guys before we started recording. Uh, we got a full show this week. We got a pop quiz nose uh, brought to you by one of the friends of the show. Um, we have news and in, in stuff about um, NASCAR's return um, to the... Um, to the National Super Speedway. I almost called it the National Fairgrounds for a split second, but that's a whole nother track, a whole nother issue right now. Um, that's been well documented on this show. Uh, we got Road America for IndyCar. We got the SRX series in their sophomore effort at um, Knoxville Speedway. Um, but before we get to all of that, before we get to the pop quiz notes, before we get to a correction for last week's show, uh, uh, we do have to pass along uh, condolences uh, to the family of Jack Ingram. Um, the Iron Man passed away yesterday as I actually was making my first attempt at recording. Um, Jack was 84. He was a member of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, he was the inaugural winner of what is now NASCAR's Xfinity Series, which at the time that he won was known as the Budweiser Sportsman Series, uh, and up until 1997 was that series' winningest driver. Um, Jack, from what I understand, had been going through some health issues. Um, and, and I really don't know what to say other than that um, he was most known for his number 11 uh, in the years that I remember him. He was driving a number 11 skull car, uh, much, much like the, uh, the Harry Gant skull car that would be run in the Cup Series. Uh, he, uh, I, 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 I don't know what to say because, I mean, this is another guy who I followed early, early in my, um, my time, you know, really getting to know the sport of NASCAR. I didn't know a whole lot about many of the, um, the, the drivers of the Bush, Bush series as it was back then, um, but I knew a Jack Ingram, I had heard of Jack Ingram. Uh, he was one who I kind of kept an eye on, Jack Ingram. Then there was uh, Jimmy Hensley and Chuck Bowne. And both Chuck and Jimmy are still with us, still in good health. Um, but seeing this about Jack kind of saddens me, as this is another member of the Hall of Fame that has passed in recent years. Um, so, with that said... Um, I think we'll lighten the mood up with a uh, pop quiz nose. And this week's pop quiz nose actually comes from
from a friend of the show, Ed Ballow, who, when I initially was recording, I did not have a pop quiz post. Um, so this really was a last minute item. And that is, in 1989, Hall of Fame crew chief Ray Everham made his NASCAR debut as a crew chief for what driver? Um, I'll, I'll let you think of that. You're probably going to hit the old racing reference or Google machine and try to um, get an answer to that one. Um, but uh, I'll let you figure that out, answer at the end of the show. Uh, because we do have a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about Nashville um, with NASCAR, the IndyCar, and the SRX series. Uh, so let's start off, actually, with IndyCar. As IndyCar would return to Road America, uh, the, the winding course in beautiful Lake Elkhart, Wisconsin, that would see Alex Palou. Alex Palou. Palou McFly. Uh pick up his second win of the season and actually surpass Patricio Award um, pick up the uh, points lead um, after Road America um, Award and Pelot had now have two wins apiece on the season uh, nobody else has that um, and Within the past couple of weeks, they have both leapfrogged over early favorite for the title, Scott Dixon, um, in probably what has been one of the most competitive and evenly matched um, IndyCar seasons in a very long time. Uh, very exciting uh, season. And this is also the second race. Uh, Team Penske driver Joseph Newgarden has uh, basically choked away a win. Um, it happened last week at um, the streets of Belle Isle in Detroit uh, in the second race there, which would see um, which would see the um, the New Garden Penske Chevrolet uh, give up the lead to. Award this week, New Garden, who was dominant in the race, um, fall back very late and uh, once again give up the lead. Um, and I believe, if I remember right, Penske is still winless on the season. I know, oh, I know, New Garden is uh, Simon Pagano and Will Power. I believe all three of them are still winless, along with rookie Scott McLaughlin. Um, and this is a very un-Penske-like season for them. So, um, who knows what they'll, what they'll bring. I honestly don't remember if they are competing this weekend. I don't have that note in front of me as I'm in the mobile studio. Um, because, well, it's nice and quiet, and it's a nice day out. And, yeah, I got errands to run, so... Do a podcast in between. Anyway, <laughs> um, we move on. We head south to the the incorporated village of 
Lebanon, Tennessee, where the NASCAR Super, uh, the NASCAR series, the top three touring series, will make their mark at Nashville Super Speedway. Um, the 1.33 concrete oval, 1.33 mile concrete. Wow, I'm like tripping over my words today. My mouth is moving faster than my brain. Uh, but then again, any of you who know me or who have listened to this show for years uh, know that that is always happening. Anyway, uh, NASCAR makes their return to a track that has stayed dormant for the last 10 years <coughs> and would kick off the weekend with Brian Priest winning his first career truck race. Um, which now gives him wins in both the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series. Um, so, and this was in a one-off race. Uh, a rare start for him in the trucks. Uh, then we move on to um, later on that afternoon, Kyle Busch um, winning the... Uh, the Xfinity race, collecting his 100th trophy in that series, uh, a record, a, uh, a record-setting 100th win, um, making him the only winner in triple digits, and um, further cementing him as the winningest driver in that series, a record that actually at one point in time up until 1997 was held by the late Jack Ingram. So, um, we have that. Then we have Sunday, uh, the Ally 400, which would feature is a correction from last week's show. Alex Bowman in the number 48 Ally Chevy uh, with the design called Neon Lights that was um, created by Dale Jr. Uh, last week I said Music Row that was created by Dale Jr. Um, Music Row was uh, the, the Jeff Gordon-designed car. Uh, fans had the choice between the two. They voted for Neon Lights, myself included, to be honest. And none of us fans were the wiser on who designed what car or who even designed the cars until after it was announced the winner. Um, so we do have that. Uh, we do have this race actually did feature qualifying, uh, as this is one of NASCAR's new tracks on the schedule. <coughs> Eric Amarola would start on the pole. He would finish in the top 10 in a race that would see Kyle Larson continue his streak in the Cup Series, picking up yet another win, uh, his first with uh, sponsor Valvoline on the car, uh, further raising his stock for a full-time sponsor in 2021 and beyond. Um, strong showings, um, most notably for um, Stuart Haas Racing, as Kevin Harvick would finish in the top five, uh, would have finished in the top three had um, fuel uh, running out of fuel on that last lap. He got passed by William Byron in another car um, at the finish line. Um, 
as I said, Eric Amarola had a top 10, and Chase Briscoe uh, would leave laps, and he looked like he was heading towards a top 10 finish uh, before um, having a part failure put him in the outside wall with less than 60 laps to go. Uh, so we had a really good showing by SHR. I think they're finally starting to turn that corner. Um, they'll have their chance at Pocono in a double shot this weekend with their double header. Um, so we have that. We also have the news that Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott, um, NASCAR's golden boy, as some people call him, um, was disqualified from the Ally 400 uh, with um, due to five loose lug nuts. Three loose um, get you disqualified from the race and send your crew chief home for a little while, along with a hefty fine. Um, this is a safety policy that started a few years back. Um, and this is probably the biggest culprit to date to get nailed. Um, Chase, who actually was, ran 14th, um, would lose 14th, and everybody else would be bumped up one position. Now, that, that doesn't seem bad, but had Chase not already locked himself in with a win at... Um, Circuit of the Americas, this could have been huge as this could have had serious playoff implications. Now, as the rules, NASCAR's rule book, where he, even though he did dis get disqualified, he is still eligible for the playoffs as the race counts as an attempt uh, for him. Um, and I, I see this as a double-edged sword, you know, it is a rather serious penalty, um, and disqualifying him, you know, would be rightly justified, uh, but to eliminate a driver for the playoffs, especially imagine the blowback if, um, Chase Elliott were not to make the playoffs due to this, uh, you thought that, you know, people were coming out of the woodwork going off when, Kyle Busch was granted the exception in 2015 uh, after suffering a broken leg in the season-opening Xfinity race at Daytona. Would miss half the season, come back um, with a medical waiver, getting into the playoffs, and um, win the championship that year, um, just by the way the playoffs were stacked. Um, this, this would have been just as big as blow off um, because of Chase Nation, um, the, the fervent uh, Chase Elliott fans. Uh, my thing is, three gets you eliminated. How the hell can you, you know, forget to tighten five lug nuts? Uh, to be honest, five lug nuts should have put you in the wall. Um, personally, I would have rather taken a hit to the wall then bring the car home and get disqualified but that's just me uh, at least with the hit to the wall you know you, you still have your crew chief the next week um, you take a hit points but nothing like this 
So Chase Elliott uh, not only was disqualified, Alan Gustafson, his crew chief, gets a little, gets a vacation and uh, a, a rather huge hit to the wallet along with the team. Um, they also will be starting dead last on the field at um, the first Pocono race, the Saturday race, uh, which is today's race, ironically. Uh, so we have all that. Um, moving on, let's touch on the SRX series as they make their second ever race at the famed Knoxville Speedway in Knoxville, Iowa, uh, with Tony Stewart uh, picking up the win in the series he helped create, uh, along with Ray Everham. Uh, Tony would finish, and um, the other two drivers on the podium are Ernie Francis Jr., the Trans Am Series champion, and Haley Deegan, who currently competes in NASCAR's Truck Series, um, the daughter of former X Games winner uh, Brian Deegan. Uh, Haley uh, would be uh, sharing the car this season with uh, Tony Kanaan. Um, Francis is, uh, Francis Jr., I should say, is um, running the full six-race schedule for the SRX Series. And currently, he is second in points behind Stewart after two races. And if anybody is making a name for themselves, it is Ernie Francis Jr. Um, all the other drivers I've heard or I've seen on you know on TV or in person race uh, the Bill Elliotts, um, Paul Tracy, Bobby Labonte, Michael Waltrip, uh, Tony Stewart, obviously. Um, even seen some of the uh, the the part timers like Greg Biffle. Um, you know, so uh, Scott Speed, um, who will actually be competing this week at Eldora, ironically. Um, but this this young man, I did not really know about. I had heard of the name before. But he has impressed me a lot, a, a, a lot there, um, and I think that this is a, uh, a, a big thing for him to be on a huge stage um, as the SRX series was actually the, the second highest um, watched uh, race in the uh, in the country, only behind the Ally 400, uh, it was ahead of the F1 race. It was ahead of IndyCar, and it really blew um, the Xfinity and trucks out of the water. Um, so this is a very good thing for not only the SRX series, but also for Ernie Francis Jr. getting his name out. Um, and I expect big things from this young man in the future. Uh, so, moving on, um, we got two big bits of news. Um, one of these uh, I, I covered in the original recording of the show, and the other um, pretty much just being leaked within the, the past 12 hours, uh, 15 hours, I guess. Um, the first being Jeff Gordon moving 
Uh, we'll be moving from the Fox booth in a kind of a well-kept secret. I guess everybody kind of knew what's going to happen. Uh, Jeff, after six years of the NASCAR on Fox booth, uh, will be leaving um, to take over the vice president job at Hendrick Motorsports. Um, second in command to um, Rick Hendrick himself. Uh, Jeff, who has been a lifelong member of Hendrick Motorsports. Matter of fact, in 2000, he had actually signed a lifetime contract with Hendrick Motorsports. Basically, for as long as he races, it will be in a Hendrick Chevrolet. Um, and just wasn't the 24. As remember, Jeff had actually filled in while Dale Earnhardt Jr. was um, recovering with, uh, you know, from post-concussion syndrome. So, um, Jeff, who is not only a, a, has a lifetime contract with the team, uh, he also took an ownership stake with uh, HMS. Um, and currently, he is the only person listed as an owner of HMS uh, outside of Rick Hendrick. As I was saying about Jeff and his... Um, ownership role with uh, HMS, um, he actually was the the person responsible and part owner of the 48 team with none other than Jimmy Johnson behind the wheel. Actually, he was the guy who uh, brought Jimmy to uh, Rick uh, Rick's attention. And uh, I think that paid off pretty well. You know, seven championships, 80-something wins, you know. Not bad. Um, definitely he's got an eye for talent. Um, and this, I think, is a dream role for Jeff. And um, while it may seem that Rick is going to take a step back and let Jeff run the company, he said he is not. Um, it's just getting pieces in place for the future of HMS. As Rick, uh, his only son, Ricky, was unfortunately killed in a plane crash in Martinsville, Virginia, um, back in 2004. Um, so, it pretty much set up that, um, that he was going to kind of take over the team um, back possibly as early as 2004, 2005. Um, so, with that said, um, where does that leave the Fox booth? Um, I thought Jeff had a really great chemistry with Mike Joy and uh, friend, competitor, um, sparring partner, um, Clint Boyer, I thought the two of them uh, had such a great chemistry. Um, possibly one of the greatest in, um, at least on television um, uh, for NASCAR coverage. Um, to me, the, their, their banter back and forth, along with calling a race, to me, they were like the... Um, the um, the Pat Summerall, John Madden of NASCAR commentating. 
um, the, uh, the Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan, you know, you had that right mix, there's, when you get two people with such great chemistry that bounce off each other, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, um, their time in the Fox booth, and rumors have already gone around, um, uh, Jamie McMurray is one of the names that is up there, Larry McReynolds, um, was one that fans had said, um, and I'm very big on Larry Mack being in the booth. I thought he did a great job um, early, in the early years of NASCAR on Fox with Mike Joy and Daryl Waltrip, but uh, Larry has pretty much retired from uh, traveling on the road uh, for NASCAR and is just a studio analyst now. And uh, he does his show on uh, Sirius XM Radio. So I, I think that that you know that's not a viable option. Uh, JB Mack, I think um, Regan Smith could be an analyst. Um, but one that I would like to see um, actually is one of their studio analysts anyway, and that is Todd Bodine. The Onion. Um, for many years, I really wasn't a fan of his driving, but as he got later into his career, I, I began to appreciate him as a driver. He's, in my opinion, he was the best of the Bodine brothers. Um, while Brett and Jeff won on the cup level, um, Todd is the only one to win a championship. Uh, you know, on NASCAR's top three touring series, and I'm sorry I'd take a championship over Jeff Bodine's 1986 Daytona 500, um, but I think Todd is, he knows what he's talking about, he can hold people's interest, and he's not overbearing like, um, like Mikey Waltrip. I love Michael Waltrip, but I think he's a little too overbearing, especially for a, um, an analyst on a show, if, if you didn't like Daryl in the booth, which some people didn't, um, I thought Daryl was entertaining, um, but I, at the same point, I think it kind of took away a little bit from the racing. Um, Mikey's even more so um, than, than Daryl. So I think Todd Bodine would fit in the booth the best. Um, whether that's a viable option for Todd or not is, you know, whatever the case is. Um, so, thank you to Jeff for all those years at the booth, and I know he's going to knock it out of the park at HMS and make them even stronger than what they are now as they are the most dominant team in NASCAR. Uh, something that had been missing for a few years, um, I haven't seen a team this dominant since the late 90s um, with Jeff's run as a driver with Jeff and Terry and um, you know they had uh, Ricky Craven. I think this may be their best combination of drivers yet um, at HMS. So um, anyway, moving on, the other big news to break. Adam Stern broke it uh, yesterday on Friday that um, 
that DePease is in place and that it is a done deal with Brad Keselowski signing to drive for um, Roush Fenway Racing and as part of this deal with him driving, he becomes part owner in Roush Fenway and what is what was when this was first rumored that it would be Roush Fenway Kennedy Racing or RFK. Um, you know, and this is uh, a, a big deal as Keselowski would be moving from uh, one of the best overall teams on the circuit, uh, Team Penske Racing with Roger Penske. Uh, over to a, a team that's kind of struggled to keep its head above water in recent years, um, Roche Fedway. Uh, and, and that sets a lot of pieces in place, uh, uh, you know, ready to move. Um, no official announcement has been made um, uh, by Roche Fedway or Keselowski um, in honor of their contract with... Uh, Keselowski's contract with Team Penske and once again that opens up the conversation where do these missing pieces go and with so many teams announcing that they will be uh, running next year Colleg Racing and uh, GMS Gallagher Motorsports um, both announcing their intentions to go full time in 2021 um along with the long-standing rumors of Trackhouse adding a second team, um, Michael Jordan's 2311 starting a second team, and the long-persistent rumor that Junior Motorsports will be moving the Cup in 2021, uh, that opens up a lot of spots for a lot of different drivers. Uh, where does Ryan Newman fit in with this? Uh, will he be out of a ride, or will uh, Roush create a third team? Um... Who moves to the two car? And when this announcement was first said, I still believe it'll be Austin Sindrick moving to the Deuce with uh, Matt DiBenedetto staying where he is with the Wood Brothers. <coughs> but I could also be wrong. We Could we see Matt DiBenedetto move from the 21 car to the two car? You never know. Um, the Wood Brothers are still very high on Matty D, and Austin Sindrick is still a a, a pet project for Team Penske. Uh, given his father is the director of competition for Team Penske Racing um, and all of its programs, Tim Sindrick, uh, there will be no doubt that he will find himself uh, somewhere situated in what is the best situation for Penske and or the Wood Brothers. Um, I, I think this is very interesting. This is the first bombshell to drop. And, and it's going to be very, very interesting the last couple of weeks of the season um, once this does become official as pretty much, you know, Brad and uh, teammate Joey Logano aren't on each other's Christmas list. Um, it was actually Brad who had suggested bringing Logano to Team Penske, um, rewarding, uh, in return, rewarding Penske with his first Daytona 500 win and with his second championship uh, behind um, 
Keselowski's 2012 title. Um, so this is going to be very, very interesting how these two former friends um, turn bitter rivals. And, and you can't you can't say that they're not because uh, with some of the comments and everything, um, they really have uh, not you know thrown shade at the other indirectly, you know, kind of like a, a, a uh, backhanded comments um, back and forth between each other. It's going to be very interesting on how they race each other uh, going into the playoffs and once they're in, um, because I think if one driver were um, to uh, pretty much um, be eliminated, I think that they would be racing that other one very hard if Brad were to be eliminated early in the playoffs. Uh, I would expect him to be racing Joey Hart and, and vice versa. Um, but I, if the, you know when this comes official, I'll, 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 I'm not the biggest Brad Keselowski fan in the world. I'm not the biggest Joey Logano fan in the world. But um, I, 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 I do give uh, credit and respect when they're both due. Um, they're both talented drivers. Um, but I, I do appreciate what uh, Brad has done in his career. Uh, this is a young man who went from nothing, um, pretty much driving a family-owned car, to impressing Dale Jr., working his way up uh, when there was no spot for him at Hendrick Motorsports, and Kyle Busch leaving. Um, no, Kyle Busch didn't leave. I take that back. Um, Ryan Newman left. Um, Penske, ironically, um, Ryan, he took over the, uh, the 12 car, eventually landing in the, uh, the two car in a swap, which would see Kyle Busch moving to the 22 car, um, which is now occupied by Joey Logano and Brad, um, really, really making a name for himself and making him a strong candidate for a possible Hall of Fame ballot. And at the same time, has actually not forgotten his roots. Had his truck team, um, which he owned for a, a quite a while, and helped promote some of uh, the future drivers of this sport. Um, Austin Therio came through there, um, a Maine native who uh, won the Arca Remax series a, a few years. Uh, Arca Menards series championship a few years back with uh, with longtime racer and um, fan favorite and another guy who I would not mind seeing in the booth but he's too busy racing all around the country uh, Ken Schrader um, Chase Briscoe this year's uh, rookie of the year candidate with Stuart Haas racing uh, Tyler Reddick last year's rookie of the year uh, rookie of the year runner-up um, had it not been for Cole Custer's win last year, Reddick would have won the title. Um, he's also uh, was pretty substantial in Ryan Blaney's career. Uh, his now Penske teammate, uh, he helped him get his start um, in the trucks. So um, yeah, uh, Brad Brad has done a lot for the growth of the sport, and unfortunately, I think he would, if sponsorship issues weren't a um, weren't a problem he would still be nurturing 
the future of um, the sport with his truck team. Uh, so him going, becoming a cup owner is a, a big deal, and, and I'm very glad to, um, to see this happen. But anyway, um, moving on. I, I kind of rambled there for a second. We'll talk about um, Pocono real quick. Um, they, they raced... Uh, yesterday for the Arkham Menard series with Corey Haim. Not the Cor- same Corey Haim that had the license to drive in that movie called License to Drive with um, Corey Feldman. Not not the 80s heartthrob, uh, but Corey Haim, the young man, um, driving for um, Bill Venturini and Venturini Motorsports, another team which helps grow the stars of tomorrow. Um, he picks up his win, beating out, uh, Ty Gibbs at Pocado, uh, today, as of Saturday, we will be having, um, in just a little bit, we will be having the CRC Brake Clean 150, uh, for the truck series, then after that will be the, the Pocono Organic CBD 350, then tomorrow... We will have the Xfinity race followed up by a second round of the Cup Series with the Pocono Outdoors 350. So a full slate. Then we have the SRX Series, which I already touched on. We'll be competing at Eldora. Um, home track for Tony Stewart. And when I say home track, it's not its not only kind of in the area of where he lives from being from Ohio being from Rushville Ohio uh, he also is the owner of Eldora Speedway bought it from the Baltz family um, about a dozen or so years ago uh, as they were looking to sell the historic venue Uh, so that is going to be a great race Um, I believe it's Cody Swanson will be in the um, the the road the ringer car which last week I want to say was driven by Scott Bloomquist um, he'll be in that car um, the the car that Greg Biffle and I forget who it was last week they had shared this is the the part time car uh, will be driven by Scott Speed who might be very interesting as Speed uh, who is most notably a the Cup Series bust um, and former F1 uh, product from Red Bull uh, for, for for Team Red Bull. Um, he uh, bounced back pretty well, you know, finding himself in the the rally car, um, rally cross circuit. Uh, so this might be up his alley, and these are. Some of these drivers he has raced against in the past. Um, so this could be very interesting. Um, Tony Kanon is back in the car uh, this week with uh, Haley Deegan in the car last week at Knoxville. So we're going to have a full schedule. It's very good to check out. Uh, check it out on, um, on CBS tonight, 8 o'clock. So we got a full slate of races. There ain't much more to really talk about. And it is hot. It is a Saturday. And while I may be at work, I'm going to still tune in all this stuff. 
So I'm Matt Hardman, and I will see you at the track. Bye.